0: Okay, Welcome back, everybody. We had a little bit of a break for Yom Tiff. I hope everyone, uh, I don't want to say survived Yom Tiff. that doesn't sound nice, but I hope everyone enjoyed Yom Tiff. Uh It's a lot of hard work, but uh, hopefully it was all worth it. Uh, and uh, we, Baruch Hashem, had three wonderful shurim before the Yom Tiff break on Shemitah and then one about Rosh Hashanah. And now we're hopefully beginning, other than my travel schedule, but I hope uh, a somewhat regular uh, weekly series of Shurim, uh, which as I had said at the outset, I'm hoping to uh, kind of alternate between a series in both halacha and more personal and character development uh, and things of the like, uh, focusing on midos and etc. But obviously I'm always happy to have input on topics uh, and direction uh, from all of you guys. Um, I thought as a opening series we would speak about the mitzvah of Shabbos candles, of hadlakas Neiros. Someone actually wrote to me uh, yesterday, uh, a, a faithful listener uh, to the shir, uh someone who uh, does not live in uh, Beit Shemesh, um, who uh, said, I couldn't even imagine that there's enough for a full shear on Halakas Neiros. You're going to give a series of shurim? So the truth of the matter is, come on in, welcome. The truth of the matter is, is that I'm going to do my best to fit this into two shurim. The reality is we may at some point be a little bit rushed, uh, and I may even have to leave some things out, because I realized going through everything yesterday, to really, 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 really do well, I think we would need three Shurim, But my experience is that at some point people get a little bit... Uh, Burnt out or bored after the same topic, even it wouldn't be the same exact issues. But I think it's my intuition. If I'm wrong, uh, someone smarter than me will tell me, and uh, many of you, I'm sure, are smarter than me. Um, but I sense that three sure might be a little bit much for people on a similar topic, and therefore I'd like to really fit it into two. And I hopefully we can really do all the important issues uh, justice. And I think that hopefully, uh, obviously, a mitzvah that uh, in every home and everyone here uh, who is so faithfully in regularly uh, fulfilling, so the better we understand the mitzvah and the more we understand the details of those mitzvahs, uh, obviously is going to be something that would really uh, benefit us. I'm just going to ask the people who are on the Zoom, if you don't mind uh, muting yourself. Uh, If you're not yet muted, I'd appreciate it, so that way there's no background noise. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's get started. I hope everyone has a source sheet and those on Zoom can see it. Uh, I've shared the screen. Uh, First of all, one thing I just thought it made sense to start off with, you always have to start kind of in the beginning. Um, We shouldn't be confused that Shabbos candles are a nice minhug, they're a nice tradition, everyone loves Shabbos candles, who doesn't love the pretty light? Um, I don't know if it's still true, but certainly it was true for many, many, many years. The New York Times even would put the, the you know the time of Shabbos candles uh, on the uh, on I think you know on the Friday edition, and you know so many Jewish women, even if they're far from observance, light Shabbos candles. All good and true, but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that there's something even more basically true, which the Gemara tells us in source number one: Hadlakas near Shabbos Chova. It's not just a nice thing. It's not just inspiring. It's not just Jewish tradition. It's actually a strict uh, obligation. Just as a background, the Gemara uh, gets to that uh, conclusion that Nero Shabbos is a chova uh, from the fact that it points out that in the olden days, they used to have all sorts of very crude uh, sources of fire, of wicks uh, and oils and uh, fats. And some of them were very, very malodorous. Did I say that in a polite way? Um, and the Gemara says, well, what's the difference? Just use something that really smells bad, and then you won't be in the room. And the Gemara says, no. It's not enough to just light and go out of the room or not be there. There is an obligation. There's an obligation to light the candles, and as we shall see going forward, an obligation to benefit from the candles. And therefore, if you were to light candles that had a bad odor, that would be defeating the purpose. So, the odor part's not so relevant nowadays as women make the big decision between do I use you know, the wax candles or the clear paraffin or the color paraffin. Do I use multiple colors of the paraffin? We've been at many homes where you see you know very, very beautiful uh, and varied uh, ways of people lighting their candles. I've never smelled anything bad about any of them. So that's just a detail of history. But the point that it brings up is the fact that, in fact, the mitzvah of Shabbos candles is, in fact, that it is a... An obligation. But it is more than that. And I don't want to be sure, again, it's very important to me, I put on my rabbi hat, uh, very important to me that we get that as a basic point, that we're dealing with an actual chiyuv, not just a nice thing. But I don't want to also lose sight of the fact at the same time that you shouldn't think of it as, quote, just a mitzvah. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's not just a mitzvah. In fact, in fact there are many statements in Chazal that speak about the unique spiritual power and meaning the skula, as it were, of Shabbos candles. And I just brought for you a few, just a few sample examples of that in sources uh, 2 uh, through 4. The Medrash and the Yalquot Shimoni uh, tells us that someone who is faithful and a regular uh, observer of the mitzvah of Shabbos candles, lachem which seems to be a very beautiful and metaphoric inspiring way of saying that they will be zochet to come to Eretz Yisrael. Now, if I'm really being honest, I think the medrash means in the ultimate ge'ula. But think about everyone in this room who gets to light Shabbos candles in Eretz Yisrael. So we've already merited at least some level of a fulfillment of this medrash, and obviously we all hope for the ultimate fulfillment of this medrash. But evidently, and now is not the time uh, to explore exactly what the connection would be, but it's just interesting, as I say, that intuitive sense that we have, that fire, that light, that warmth is something positive and ultimately redemptive. So the Medrash very much recounts that and says there's a direct link to someone who faithfully, regularly observes the Mitzvah Shabbos candles, and someone who'll be zocha to Neros Shel Tzion, that the ultimate redemption and return to Eretz Yisrael is also captured uh, in that image of the candles. That's number one. Number two, something that uh, some of you may be even more familiar with. I think it is more well known. Is the Gemara Masechtah Shabbos, which I have there for source number three, which connects someone who lights candles, Haragil Banair. And again, I use that I, I, before I said faithfully uh, and regularly, specifically because Chazal are always uh, referring to not just someone who happened to have. Every time you light the candles is a mitzvah, but the Skula, the special reward, the power, the potency, uh, and the spiritual message. Uh, of Shabbos candles is a unique gift and a reward to someone who regularly lights the Shabbos candles. The Gemara here is quite explicit, harogiel but what's the reward the Gemara here speaks about? Not the broader sense of return to Tzion and Geula, but specifically says the Gemara, source number three, haven labonim And as the Mishnah Brura explains in source number four, there is, as you probably know, there's a well-known puzzle, kiner mitzvah Torah, or, metaphorically, already going back to Tanakh, and embellished by Chazal, there is an association between light and candles and Torah. And therefore, Chazal, in this very famous statement, see a link, see a connection between a woman who regularly and faithfully lights her Shabbos candles and the ability to have children who will then carry on the mesorah specifically of learning Torah. And I think that uh, it is, for that reason, no surprise. Again, this I assume you're all familiar with. This is a very beautiful uh, and inspiring message. And it's therefore not a surprise that many, many women have the custom that while they're lighting Shabbos candles, they use that as an opportunity to offer a personal or a special tefillah. I know there are a lot of of women I've seen. I think my wife even got her as a present at some point. I think if I say it that way, you now know that it wasn't present there. I got her. <laughs> but somebody, I think, got her a present. Uh, I'm usually way too rushed, unfortunately. We'll discuss by the end of this year the, the husband's role. Don't worry, I will get to that. Uh, if for no one's sake, other than my own at least. Uh, but be, I'll tell you in advance, I'm not so involved because I'll blame it on being a rabbi. I'm usually very, very busy uh, running into Shabbos. But somebody, uh, I hope are related to her, uh, somebody uh, got my wife, I think, a gift. And I know many women, we've been in many homes where you see people have, you know, these uh, various beautiful different ways of having this tefillah near the Shabbos candles. And that's not just like an intuitive sense that women have, although I think the intuitive sense is, is on the mark. But in fact, the Mishnah Brewer brings this down in source number four, where I have it underlined. After quoting this idea that Shabbos candles has the ability to be a skula again, is a kind of a spiritual uh, extra little oomph and power uh, to hopefully have children who are studying Torah and learning Torah and being successful, it says in therefore, U'Lakach, source number four, ha'isha, banim um, and again, I, I think, and again, I'm not going to shy away from it. I gave you the source, so we're certainly not hiding from it. Um, it's true that Chazal here, and then the Mishnah Berurah after him, uh, after them, uh, do specifically speak about sons uh, specifically. Um, and I think the reason for that is because, as you know, again, this may be a topic that we'll discuss uh, multiple times if you want, but this could definitely be a series, is the role of women in learning Torah. Uh, but that's not our topic today. But certainly for our purposes, uh, we should acknowledge what you all know, I think, anyway, which is that the the, the primary focus and certainly the technical obligation for study of Torah uh, has always traditionally been understood more to be an obligation on men or males or boys. And therefore, if there's specifically association between candles and Torah, uh, it makes sense that uh, Chazal speak in terms of who, especially traditionally, who's more likely to be the one learning the Torah. So if you're hoping that candles is a school of learning Torah, it obviously made sense, certainly historically, and I think you can make the case even now to a, to a large extent that one thinks of it that specifically in the sense of sons or boys. But I would say this uh, in, in, in all honesty, and, I, and not only because I have a daughter, uh, but, but I, I really believe it. Uh, again, this is perhaps a, uh, a foreshadow for this series that one day we'll have about the role of women in learning, and are women obligated, and not obligated, what can women, win, what, le- what, we- what should women learn, Gemara, all the different kind of questions, which I would be happy to have a series of shurim on. But certainly, certainly, uh, I, I would argue that it goes back way before the 20th century but at minimum at minimum for well over a hundred years it's been acknowledged that it's incredibly important if not even obligatory to some extent uh, in the modern era, for women to be studying Torah, which is why from Satmer uh, to the most uh, you know, light, 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 light mono you can imagine, and everything in between, uh, girls are all universally educated. Now, the Satmer-based Yaakovs are different than the Gera based Yaakovs, which are different than the Litvish-based Yaakovs, which are different than the religious Zionist schools. They are all educating different ways. But there's, it ain't the bar, there's no such thing as nowadays women not being educated. So therefore, I don't think there's any reason to think that this chazal would not apply, perhaps at a more diluted level. But nevertheless, uh, I think uh, the relevance for this chazal in terms of our daughters, not only our sons, but also our daughters, uh, I think is very, very meaningful. And I personally would have no problem, um, if I was the one lighting the candles and making the bracha, uh, not only for my sons, but also for my daughter, uh, to be connected to Torah uh, in a way that is meaningful to her, in a way that hopefully helps her connect to Hashem and halacha. So that is all, I guess you can say, 1A and 1B. What are we dealing with? Why do we have this two-part series that we're going to do on the law of the Shabbos scandal? So number one is because it's an obligation. It's a chiyuv. And even though we haven't discussed why yet, which we'll get to, but already we've been assuming, among friends, and we already saw in at least one source, the assumption that, of course, we're talking about the women lighting. So for now, let's just you know we're going to speak obviously generally in, on the assumption that the women are lighting. Although we'll explain why uh, and are there any exceptions to that by the end of today's year. Uh, but we know it's an obligation. For now, let's we'll say it's an obligation for women. Although I'm going to reformulate that in a little bit. But for now, let's say it's an obligation. And for now, we're assuming on women. And number two, it's not just an obligation. Some things are just mitzvos, but this is actually much more than that. This is one of those mitzvos which chazal promise all sorts of potential reward. Um, you know, we live in an era. You, all you need to do is open up any Jewish magazine. In the era that's obsessed with schoolas. right? Shortcuts, right? And uh, I, it's funny, just recently I heard two different uh, great gedolim ask the same question, uh, Rav Herschel Schechter and Rav Asher Weiss. And they both gave the same answer. You know, which skulas are, the, how do you know which ones are the real ones? Right? Is it the ones where they're always asking me to send a check? Uh, you know, and if I give the Sadaka to the right organization, then this got old daven for me, and it's that school, and this. So they both gave the exact same answer. I believe in the schools that are brought down by Chazal. Almost none of the schools you see advertised in the magazines were brought down by Chazal. I won't say more than that at the moment on those ads in sedak organizations. But you can guess what I would say if I was saying more. But these are schools that are brought down by Chazal. This is the Gemara. This is the Medrash. So what does it mean that if I light candles I'll be zochet the they're I can't tell you I really understand. But Chazal said it. And that has to mean something to us and therefore we would do it we would do the mitzvah even if it was just because it's a mitzvah. But these are mitzvahs which actually Chazal not some obscure source that you could find from some Kabbalist who may or may not have lived 1400 years ago or something but Chazal told us that there's a certain spiritual potency and power dafka to the mitzvah of Shabbos candles and I think that should certainly mean something to us. Okay, let's move on now to our second very big and very central and important topic, which is, why are we lighting? Why are we lighting? What is the benefit, what is the purpose of lighting candles b'chalal? And this brings our attention to source number five, a very important pasuk from the Navi in Sefer Yishayahu. The Navi there speaks about uh, Shabbos in general, and the Navi here is the source for the fact that, in fact, we have two uh, special additional mitzvot to Shabbos that were added, perhaps as early as the time of the Naviim. But for our purposes, for shorthand, we'll say they're rabbinic obligations or mitzvot midrabanon. And this is the well-known uh, phrase in the middle of source number five: the Karosal Shabbos Oneg. That is to say, embedded in this Pasuk are two very important phrases. There's more, but there's two that are relevant for our Shir, And that is the mitzvah of Oneg Shabbos and the mitzvah of Kavod Shabbos. For now, let's just translate Oneg. How? How do we want to translate Oneg? It's not a trick question. Absolutely. Enjoy, pleasure, good. And how do we translate Kovod? Kavod. Honor, respect, good. I like both of those. So it sounds like, amazingly, there's a mitzvah, which is perhaps more easy to understand. If we think of a religious obligation to honor, respect Shabbos. But there's even a more enjoyable uh, mitzvah. There's a mitzvah to enjoy Shabbos. Hopefully, most of the time, we do enjoy Shabbos. Sometimes we, you know, but guess what? We don't have to feel guilty. It's a mitzvah. Says the Navi, it's a mitzvah to have oneg Shabbos. Now, as you all know, in the Asar Sa'dibros, we have two other mitzvahs, right? One is Zachor, and one is Shamor. Those are mitzvahs d'araisa. Those are from the Torah. Right? Zachor is the mitzvahs say, Kiddush, Havdalah, things like that perhaps. And shamor is all the things we can't do on Shabbos. d'araisa. But says the Navi, there's also two other things. Two rabbinic mitzvahs. Perhaps going back all the time of the Neviim, Kavod and Oneg. Almost all post and we'll certainly assume this as, as a practical uh, assumption, Almost all poskim assume that the mitzvah of lighting candles is not Minah Torah. If it would have been, it would have been under Zachor. No one pretty much, almost nobody thinks it is. If it's rabbinic, so that begs the question, okay, well which rabbinic mitzvah is it? Do we light Shabbos candles as a way of honoring Shabbos, Kavot Shabbos? Or do we light Shabbos candles because that brings some kind of pleasure or enhancement to the Shabbos experience because of Oneg? If you go through midrashim and multiple mefarshim, you will see a machlokis about this. And I just gave you a quick sample of that in sources six and seven. Uh, Rashi says very clearly, source number six, why do we light Shabbos candles? We honor Shabbos by doing so. Kavod Shabbos. After all, says Rashi, and here Rashi is, I, I don't know exactly what was going on in northern France on the time of Rashi, uh, culturally, but one, and even culinarily. But one thing I do know, Rashi understood the notion of Ambiance and a candlelit dinner," says Rashi. Clearly, it's a more mechubad meal when you have candles. He was French. Right, <laughs> exactly. I say, you know, the, the French always cared about their food, uh, understood this. Um, Rashi says quite clearly, it adds a certain ambiance. It's a Khashuva when you have that extra light. Tosfos, however, so not, you know, already we're talking just a generation or two later, and pretty much the same area of the world, but nevertheless, says Tosfos, why do we light like candles? And I think that's also true, right? It's a known phenomenon, right? First of all, in general, presentation, right? Why is it that so many people, maybe in this room, and certainly when you go to fancy restaurants, right, and caterers, they spend so much effort on, and money on presentation. The food's the food, right? The answer is no, it enhances the experience. But it's not just, that's on the fancy level. How about on the most basic level? If you don't see what you're eating, right? The ability to see what you're eating Enhances the sensory experience. I think it's, again, uh, it's tragic, uh, but I think it's a well-known thing that if someone, God forbid, would be blind, they literally don't experience the food, or lots of things, obviously, but even something like food, there is a slight difference in the experience because you can't see the food. So Tosfo says, no, you know what, we have to have light because it'll help us enjoy Shabbos more. Is it to... Mechabe to honor Shabbos, or is it the enjoyment? Interestingly, as a way of kind of refining, and I want to add a very important point to this discussion, the Rambam in sources 8 and 9, the Rambam seems to contradict himself. In source number 8, the Rambam actually says that candles are part of the mitzvah of Oneg Shabbos. You see there at the bottom of source number 8, uh, I'll get back to what he said a little bit earlier in that same source. We'll get back to that in a moment. But here, the Rambam has a whole discussion about all the things you're supposed to do to enjoy the Shabbos experience. One of them, says the Ramam, is candles. Now, I just want to pause for one second. I alluded to it before, but I should point out, for all of us, but especially for our families, our children, our grandchildren, this is an important point. Yeah, this could be almost its own drusher, or if not she'er, which is, it's important that people, but especially our children, enjoy Shabbos. If all of Shabbos is just, you can't do this, you can't pay, play with this, you can't use that device, you must sit at the table for this long and that long, you must have a Dvar Torah, you must answer partial questions, you must sing a song, you must not do that, our kids will not enjoy Shabbos. First of all, that's already a problem inherently, and you can don't have to be a parenting expert to imagine the long-term problems that that's going to affect. But it's not just good parenting. It's a mitzvah to enjoy Shabbos, and not just for you, but for your children also. Now, there's appropriate ways to enjoy Shabbos, there's inappropriate ways to enjoy Shabbos, Okay, that's a, that's a separate uh, discussion, which is both halachic and, and parenting-wise, perhaps. But the notion that Shabbos is just about don't, 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 that's not only a disaster in a parenting perspective, that's also just wrong religiously. Owning Shabbos is important, and the Rambam says, as we saw previously from Tosvos, Shabbos candles in a subtle way enhances that. However, in source number nine, the Rambam seems to contradict himself. Because there the Rambam says where it's underlined in number 9, Nerdaluk daluk v'shochan aruch, right? So you don't know, you have the candles, the table is set, the which your beds are all nice and made. Why? kol elu l'chavod Shabbos hein. So perhaps maybe you're not as careful during the week to make the bed and the room's a little bit messy and not just the bedroom, the living room and the den and the kitchen. But on Shabbos, we clean the house, we make everything nice and neat, we light the candles, we set the table to honor Shabbos. Well, which one is it? Right, The ramam seems schizophrenic. Is it the kavod? Or is that the oneg? Is it the pleasure or the honor? So there are various v- interpretations that have been offered over the centuries to try to resolve this contradiction in the Rambam. But the one which I want to share with you particularly is in source number 10. And this is from the famed Reb Chaim Mibrisk, Reb Chaim Salavechik, in source number 10. And he makes a very, very important distinction, which I think is very, very compelling. And it also, it's not just fascinating, compelling intellectually but I think it actually has the ability to, be, to resonate very much practically with us and as, as soon as this coming Friday I, in Shabbos I want you to be thinking about source number 10. Says Reb Chaim, if you look at the Rambams that we just read in sources number 8 and number 9 very carefully, in number 9 when the Rambam spoke about Kovod Shabbos, the Rambam spoke about, if you look at, uh, go back to source number 9, uh, at the end of the first line Tzorach letakein beso mi yom Shabbos. The Rambam stresses that all the things that he talked about, which are honoring Shabbos, your house is clean, and you lit the candles and all that stuff, the Rambam stresses those are all things that are done, Mi ba'od Yom. Mi ba'od Yom means before it gets dark, i.e. Erev Shabbos, before Shabbos. Friday morning, Friday afternoon. Says Rab Chaim, and for sake of time I won't read it inside, but you have it on the sheet if you're interested, source number 10. Says Rab Chaim, Kavod Shabbos means things we do before Shabbos. How do you honor a guest? How do you show respect for an important hush of a guest that's coming? It's all the things you do to prepare for him or her before they arrive. The way we show our respect for the Shabbos queen is by getting the house ready and doing all those things, preparing the food, etc., and lighting the candles. Mi ba'od yom. To the extent that Shabbos candles are lit before Shabbos, which they are, 18 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever your minute is, and if you're running late, you can even, it's also okay. That is a fulfillment of Kavot Shabbos. We thought about the special guest that's coming, the Shabbos Queen, we took the time, and in advance, we lit candles to set the tone, to show that this is an important thing. Those minutes, let's say Halavah, you get the full 20 minutes in or whatever it is, or if it's in the summer and you made early Shabbos, so you have even longer until it gets dark, that is a fulfillment of honoring Shabbos. However, Reb Chayim points out, when the Ravim discusses Oneg, he does not talk about things you do before Shabbos. Oneg is, as we alluded to before, Oneg is enjoying the Shabbos experience itself. And therefore, said Reb Chayim, it's not just that Oneg is enjoyment and Kavod is respect or honor, it's also that they take place at different times. And therefore, he says, it's not a contradiction. What the Rambam is telling us is that Shabbos candles are not just a mitzvah. They're not just a skula, as we saw previously. Also, it's a good reward that comes with it. It's a double mitzvah. You get two mitzvahs when you light Shabbos candles. To the extent that you are able to hopefully be ready on time, which in this case means early, and you light the candles X number of minutes before it gets dark, before you had to, all that window of time... You fulfill the mitzvah of Kavu Shabbos. But whether you have the wax or the paraffin, whatever you have, it's going to stay lit another hour, two, three. The amount of time that the candles remain lit on Shabbos itself, that is a fulfillment of Onet Shabbos. It's enhancing your Shabbos experience. So he says it's not a contradiction. The Ramam is of the opinion that you actually fulfill both. Right? Again, it's like I sometimes give an example to my Talmudim if you've ever been to, you know, the, the Cafe Rimona, you can eat breakfast, or you went to a hotel for, like, you know, one of those breakfasts, right? Do you want the pancake or the, or, or, or the waffles? I'll take both. Right? You, why do we have to pick? Why does it have to be covered or owning? Says Raphael, no, it's actually both. And I think this is not only very meduyak um, in the Rambam, it's, a very, it's not just conceptually compelling, but it, it works very well in the lashon, in the wording of the Rambam. Because the Rambam does stress about kavod, that those things are mi ba'od yom, mi ba'od yom. And he only says that about kavod. So it says, Rav cover are the things we do in advance. So I think it works well in the language of the Rambam. Logically, it's compelling. I think it makes sense. We, we, we resonate with that. Right, from, you know, when somebody, when, when Bubby and Zadie and Grandma and Grandpa are coming, you know, we make sure to make sure the house is nice and everything is good, right? That's a way of showing that respect, right? You don't want them to come in and see, you know, you could clean it an hour after they got there. But it's not the same message, right? When you do something to prepare, or it could be some people in the other direction, your children who live away from home, maybe you have married children who've been, maybe especially if they live in the States, you live here or something like that, when they finally come, you prepare the house, right? That's an expression of something even before they get there. So we don't have to choose, says Reb Chaim. No, when we light before Shabbos, that's already a way of honoring Shabbos. Except the fact that the candles stay lit that enhances the Shabbos experience. So, aside from the fact that I think it works well as a learning exercise that explains the Rambam, I think it's really. Uh, we'll turn it over the page now. Um, I think it's really important for you. Again, as, as, as soon as this coming Friday, are ready for you to internalize that everything you're doing. You know, some people start already Thursday night. Uh, I don't know that many people start even before that. Uh, but Shrecha, uh, if you do. But whether it's Thursday night or Friday morning or later Friday morning or sometimes people are running really, really late Friday afternoon. But at some point on Friday, everyone in this room, uh, I hope including me, but certainly everyone else in this room, will be doing something to be preparing for Shabbos. That is a mitzvah of Kavu Shabbos. It's not just the uh, work we need to do to get to the main dish. It's already a mitzvah. The things we do in advance of prepare for Shabbos is a mitzvah of Kavu Shabbos. It's also true that by showing the honor to Shabbos and preparing beforehand, that also enables us to have this incredible, hopefully beautiful, uplifting family, friend, spiritual experience on having Oneg Shabbos as well. So I think it's a broader point, but it also helps us understand the dual role of Shabbos candles. Now, the interesting thing is, even though the main two big mitzvahs that we speak about are cover or Oneg, both, one, but there actually is a third dimension as well. Again, this mitzvah of Shabbos candles is filled with so much good stuff. So we got the mitzvah, we got the shulah, now we got one mitzvah, now we got two mitzvahs. It's actually more than that. There's three. Take a look at source number 11. Ravah tells us in the Gemara, Rava's is actually discussing a very interesting question. Um, no one should ever know from this. Nebuch, 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 somebody would be so, so poor come the end of November this year. And they have to light Shabbos candles and Hanukkah candles. What if you only have enough money for one? Which one should you do? So the Gemara tells us, this is source number 11, for sure Shabbos candles would have to take precedence. But Hanukkah, why would Shabbos tafka be before Hanukkah? Says the Gemara, Shalom bias. Now before you get too emotional about this, this is not the Shalom bias they spoke about at your Shabbos Shavu Brachos. This is a different type of... That, that's, that's important. That's all real. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to belittle Shabbos uh, Shabbat or messages of Shalom B'ayas. There's nothing more important than that. Um, but that's not what the Gemara means here. Rashi points out in both Sources 12 and 13 that the Shalom bias here is something far less romantic uh, or even uh, sublime. It means something very, very practical. It's no fun to go through Shabbos if you're constantly stubbing your toe because you can't see where you're going. Rashi, in source number 12, if you had no light... It's no fun. It's it's painful, literally or emotionally, to be sitting in the dark. Or Rashi says again, in source number 13, You're going to bump your knee. You're going to fall. You're going to trip. In other words, one of the additional points about Shabbos is not just the the, the emotional, uplifting pleasure uh, and the sublime respect. It's all of that. That's kavod. That's oneg. But it's also simply... We want to be able to have an enjoyable Shabbos in the most simple way. Again, this is something that, obviously, for most of human history, they really appreciated. In our generation, we have a harder time appreciating it because we live you know, constantly under the benefit of thousands and thousands of watts coming out of our ceiling. Um, in fact, part of next week's year will be to discuss what is the relationship between the candles and electricity. Can you light electric lights if you didn't have candles? To turn off? How does you relate to your lights in your room? Do you turn them off before you light? Is that part of the mitzvah? That'll all be part of next week's uh, one of the things we're going to discuss next week. But the point here is, even on a basic level, at least certainly, you know, in most of human history before there was electricity, Shabbos candles served a third very, very prosaic, very practical um, point, and that's what's called Shalom Bias. It's interesting that you should just be aware, even though nowadays, as I say, it doesn't exactly serve that role for us because. Um, we have uh, so much electricity, etc. But there are some practical halakha questions which are relevant, perhaps, to this question. So, for example, um, if you had a candle that was lit, let's say you had one of those like you know massive candles they sell at you know I don't know Bed Bath and Beyond or I don't know where else people sell these huge candles that could can last for days at a time, right? Um, you'd probably get dizzy already from the smell at some point if you never blew it out. But, you know, I have a sister actually who loves this stuff. Like, our house is full of these vanilla candles and other things. And she lights them during the week. Like, when they come home from work, her husband, they just light them because they, they enjoy the smell. Let's say you had it on from Wednesday or Thursday or something. And it was still on Friday afternoon. Can you just count, make a bracha on that? So, this is part of that question. If the only halacha was shalom bayis, so I need light so I don't stub my toe, well, I have light who said it has to be lit specifically for Shabbos. But if it's L'Chavot Shabbos, well, that wasn't L'Chavot Shabbos, that was L'Chavot having a nice uh, scent uh, three days ago. Or another question, very, very practical. How many rooms need to have Shabbos candles? So again, in the pre-electricity world, this was very important, because the only light you had was from candles. So was part of the mitzvah on Friday for the woman of the house to light only in the dining room, or only in the kitchen, or would they have to light in other rooms? And the answer is it depends on what the mitzvah is for. If we're just talking about covet or oneg, the poskim assume that that's limited to, let's say, where you eat. However, since we now know that there's this third dimension called shalom bayis to the poskim, we don't want you to stub your toe in the bathroom, getting out of bed, or any other room of the house. And therefore it's important, and this is practically halacha l'maysar, any room in which you will be using over Shabbos, you need to have light, assuming that you desire light. Right? If, you have, if, if in the bedroom, all you do is get up and you don't worry about tripping and you can't sleep if there's even a nightlight on or something, there's no mitzvah to have light because it says the Gemara Shalom Bayis if that's going to ruin your Shabbos. Right? Sometimes people are in a hotel room or something for Shabbos and the only light they turn on is the light over the bed or something. You know, that's not a mitzvah to keep that on because the Gemara said, and Rabbi Gottlieb said, you're supposed to have light in every room you're going to be in over Shabbos. But any room in which it would be beneficial to have light, it is part of the mitzvah of Shabbos candles to prepare that in advance. And therefore I would tell you, leave aside what we'll discuss in Mirza Hashem next week about, let's say, in your dining room or wherever you know, your leichter is, you know, to what extent do you include Electric light there for the mitzvah. Again, that's next week's year. But it is important, and it's not just important. Good news, you get mitzvah points for it to the extent that you're making sure. Like in every Jewish family, someone's screaming, make sure turn on the lights, turn off the lights, right? There's the constant messages, and you get, you know, which room is on the lights, which room, the hallway's lights are on, the bathroom light. But making sure there's light where you need it to be, this hallway versus that hallway, this bathroom, making sure there's light in all those rooms is actually part of the mitzvah of Shabbos candles because it's a fulfillment of the Shalom Bayis idea that the Gemara here uh, discussed. Okay, I did a lot of talking. Any questions? I'm mesmerizing or I'm boring? Which one? <laughs> Any questions? I was so clear? So clear. Okay, fantastic. So we have one more thing to do, one more section to do, and that will uh, round out part one, and then that will set us up, Yom HaShem, for next week. The last topic I want to discuss, which is something we you've been alluding to, but now we'll discuss more in depth, and we'll broaden the discussion, which is, Who is obligated to light these candles? So, so far we've been discussing a lot of the um, obligation uh, and the why. Kavod, Oneg, Shalom Bayis. We've mainly been focusing on, you know, obligation and why. Now I want to discuss who. Who is obligated and who is going to light? Now, aside from the, you know, the, the seeming trick question of the wife versus the husband, although we're going to get to exactly where this comes from, that it became a woman's mitzvah. We're going to get to that. But A, what's the role of the husband? B, what about single daughters? Should they be lighting or not? You know, young boys, certainly over bar mitzvah, but even if they're below bar mitzvah, what if we have a daughter who's 14 or 15? Why shouldn't she light if it's a woman's mitzvah? Right, so we'll discuss that. What about children who are not at home for Shabbos? So you'll tell me, well, that they're at someone else's house. Maybe they're, does that count? Or, moreover, what about if you have, I don't know, a boy or girl who's in the dorm? In a yeshiva dorm, a seminary dorm, So that's what I want to discuss uh, to round out uh, today's share. Okay, so take a look at source number 14. Uh, It's clear from many, many sources um, that men and women are obligated in the Mitzvah of Shabbos. Candles. In fact, if you just turn over for one second, I, you know, if, you go, if you want to go back just to see the, er, the earliest authoritative source, it's actually in source number eight, the, which we saw previously. I didn't read this underlined part. The first underlined part of source number eight, the Rambam says, So it's only half true that Shabbos candles are a woman's mitzvah. The Rambam is clear. The Shacharach brings this down as well that the husband, the men, are obligated to have Shabbos candles. So at minimum what that would mean is, if for whatever reason, someone's wife didn't, couldn't, wouldn't light, a man doesn't, you know, if your husband didn't put on tefillin one day, that I assume would be upsetting to you, but you couldn't make him do it, and you wouldn't do it for him, and even if you did put on tefillin, that wouldn't help him for his mitzvah, it's not connected, right? But on the other hand, if a man has, either there's no wife, that's a single man, Divorced, widowed, never married, or for whatever reason his wife is in in bed sick, she can't. It becomes, there is an obligation on men to have the Shabbos candles. Despite the fact that there's an obligation on the men, and that I want to make very clear, it is obviously traditional, when I say traditional, I mean like from the way beginning, that women are the one who do this mitzvah. So before we get to the why, right, if we started off by saying men and women are both obligated, so then how come it became this thing that men got pushed out of the way, um, and the women did it. We'll answer that in a moment. But before I discuss why that was, how do we understand that? Let, let, let me, I'll give you, I'm going to give you two analogies, and you tell me which one you think is more accurate. Every Shabbos at night or in the morning, let's say that I'm assuming a traditional family structure, a husband makes kish. Presumably, I think this is uncontroversial, and for now at least, for our thought experiment, we'll assume this, everyone, the men and the women at the table, the guests, Children, everyone's obligated to have Kiddush. The husband makes Kiddush to be Motzi, everybody else, just like the Balcore read the Torah, the Balktokea blew the shofar, right? We do things on behalf of other people. There's such a phenomenon as that. Husband made Kiddush, we all answer Amen, and you drink, fine. There's also a phenomenon of Hanukkah candles. Hanukkah candles, even though traditionally all the kids light, and in, some, in many families women also light, we'll have that sheer in a few weeks but it's clear from the Gemara that not every person is obligated to light Hanukkah candles the Gemara says what's the mitzvah of Hanukkah? Ner ish ubeso. if you had one menorah for the whole house everyone would be Yotze not because whoever lit it was being Motsi you the way making Kiddush is it's because the mitzvah isn't on you 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 and me the mitzvah is on us the family, the house, a mezuzah. Right? Let's, for argument's sake, now assume that the husband put up the mezuzah. He was doing his mitzvah? No, no. It's all of our mitzvah. He's just the one who put it up, but it's our mitzvah. Right? There are two different models. Right? Sometimes everyone is individually obligated, independently obligated, but we have, just like you're a lawyer who can do things for you, you can have a shaliach doing things for you. So, someone is motzi you, but you are obligated individually. And other times, the family is obligated. Which one do you think Shabbos candles is? Is it more like Kiddush? or more like Hanukkah? Is it Hanukkah? There's a difference in the language between the Rambam and the R Shabbat. The Rambam says near Dalukishaba. Good. It doesn't talk about Hetlaka. It's just Okay, but that, that's an important question which I was gonna elide over. But I am not at all surprised, Ms. Weinberg, that you caught me on that. <laughs> but I don't think that's the same issue as. Okay, but who's obligated to ensure in there? The <laughs> Luke. Okay, so I'm asking you to okay. think. Right. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> okay, to. But, okay, but I'm about to get to that. You're reading ahead. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> you're a teacher. You should know. It's not fair to do that to another teacher. Yes. Um, what do you think? I think that it's like kiddish because you're lighting for everyone have everyone in mind. And if, and, and if you can't do it, say okay, you're sitting in bed and the husband has to do it. Good. So I didn't put it on the sheet, but that's what the Shulchan ar says. The Shulchan ar was the first uh, founding of the Baba the Balatanya. So uh, he didn't just do kumtitzes and uh, go, you know, go to tzama all day. He actually was a big posseik. He wrote the Shulchan ar So he says exactly like you. He it sounds like, he says, everyone is obligated and basically wife is the shliach for the family members, just like the husband will be the shliach when he, lights, uh, when he makes kiddush, the wife is the shliach when she lights Shabbos candles. But then, but shli- oh, very good. So I, again, that's not on the sheet, but you guys are so learned and I couldn't fit it, I knew I wouldn't be able to fit it all mm-hmm. in. There's a whole discussion, there's a of that sits Eliezer, where he discusses exactly this point. Fantastic, Alyssa, fantastic. Yes? You have to be there to hear both Good, good, excellent. So who disagrees with that? Who disagrees with you in the Shulchan Arukh? You, 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 you have good support. Don't worry. But it's not all, so. Now I'll get to you. Now turn your attention to source number fourteen. Says the Urchah Shulchan. What is the mitzvah? Shekol Mishpacha. It's not a mitzvah on any individual. It's a mitzvah on the family. If you take a look, if you skip down to source number nineteen uh, on the second line, uh, there you see the, Shulchan, it's the same author Urchah Shulchan. He says the same thing. Hachiv Rak Alha. Mishpacha, it's like a mezuzah, or it's like the Hanukkah candles. So first of all, it's just important to be aware what is going on. And I think that if you assume that it's a shliach idea, so then we have to really want, either way I guess we want to wonder, and this is what we're going to answer in a moment, why is it, how did it become traditional, and not just traditional, it's much more than that, it's universal. That women are the ones that light the Shabbos candles. If it's a mitzvah on every individual, so why is it that the wife is the shliach and not the husband? And if it's a mitzvah on the family, so why is it that the wife is given that status as the head of the family for this mitzvah? whereas we know in other mitzvahs, the husband plays that role. So the answer to both of these, to whichever way you formulate it, and it could be that there's practical issues, but uh, differences between the two, but for our purposes, I just wanted to sensitize you to the question. But however you want to formulate it, there are two answers to this question, two possible uh, answers. And uh, for, to make things easy for us, I, instead of giving you all the primary sources, I gave you a summary source, which is source number 16. The tour quotes uh, two reasons. Let's take a look at source number 16 on the second line. He's quoting from the Rambam and Midrashim, even before the Rambam. He says, very simple. Why is it that women are the ones who universally light Shabbos candles, which I think he means as follows, and that fits very nicely, especially if we assume that it's a mitzvah on the family, right? And I say this not only because I'm in a room as the only male, I would say this in a room of all men too. Tachlis, who runs the house? If it's a reasonably well-functioning house, obviously the wife. It's not even a question. I'll tell you a cute story, a true story. My son Yaakov, who's now 21, about to go back to yeshiva after having got out of the army. When he was five, six years old, I can't remember, just first grade, I think we were in Baltimore. So I'm putting him to bed one night. He says, Abba, I have a question. How come all the time, whenever I ask you, can I do this or that, you always say, you have to ask mommy, she's the boss. But we just learned in school, Parshas Barashas, when Chava got punished, and the Pesach says that the man is going to be the boss. That's a pretty good question for a six-year-old. So again, I don't know about it in your family, but in my family, anytime they ask me, I think, yes, no, you have to ask mommy. She's the boss. So I said to him, you now understand the difference between Tarshev and Tarshev al They may say he's the boss, but ain't no Jewish family that I ever met where the husband's the boss, nor should it be. Right. The answer is, if this is an inyan of the bias, if Shabbos candles is a mitzvah on the bias, on enhancing the house, and giving the house a certain ambiance for Shabbos, of preparing the house and the home and the family for Shabbos, it makes sense that the person who practically is the one who really runs things, which we all know is the wife, is the, is the woman of the house, it makes sense, says the Rambam, that she be the one who is in the prominent role of lighting the candles. Now that, to me, I think it's true, number one, Number two is I find that, if I, if I can say so myself, very inspiring, and uplifting, and very meaningful. Uh, there is a second reason you should be aware of, and since I'm intellectually honest, and this is a fully transparent here, uh I won't hide it from you. Uh, you, may be less, this, you may find this second answer more, uh, less appealing, I should say, uh, but you should be aware that it does exist out there, and that is what the Torah there, again, going back to source 16, he quotes from the Medrash. Nothing to do with the woman running the house, and this is a part of the family, and all that. Says the Torah, there's a Medrash. It also goes back to Parshas Beresh last week. Says the Medrash, when Chava sinned by eating the fruit of the Etzadas, when Chava then made her matters worse by getting her husband to do the same thing, Kavtza Nero Shel Olam, Misa L'Adam HaRisho. There was not going to be any death. Again, we can't relate to what it was like in the Garden of Eden, and what Adam and Chava were like. I mean, just, you know, we can barely relate to people who lived 500 years ago, let alone the Rambam, let alone Avram Avinu. But the difference between even Avram and Adam is a different universe entirely. It's a completely different type of existence. So whatever this means, I have no idea. But it's clear from tradition in many midrashim that before they ate from the Eitz Adas, there was not going to be any death. And in some metaphorical sense, Adam was referred to as Oro Shalom, the light of the world. By Chava, sinning with the Eitz Adas, She brought death into the world. The whole phenomenon of death would not have existed otherwise. And in a certain sense, she extinguished the light of the world because her sin eventually led to death. Anushama is like light, the the person's going to die. So therefore that brought death into the world brings an extinguishing of the light. And therefore, says the Medrash, as a, so to speak, a tikkun, as an everlasting kapara for that sin of the original woman, of Chava women for all history light the Shabbos candles to be mosif or to bring more light into the world as a kind of a tikkun for the original sin that Chaba had done when she extinguished the light what do you say appealing, not appealing reasonable, not reasonable slightly harsh, less inspiring than the Rambam's view (laughs) Okay, it, it is what it is. I, I, I share this with you. Uh, if you find them both meaningful, so then you're in an enviable position. If you find the Ramam's position more meaningful and uplifting, uh, you have my rabbinically endorsed uh, permission to only think about that when you're lighting the candles. Um, okay, but you should... The bottom line is either way, either way, one or both, this is why, again, going back to Chazah, but many, many... You know, as long as anyone can remember and document... This is always a mitzvah that was performed by the women, even though, depending on who you ask, you'll either say it's a mitzvah on the whole family or in an individual. But either way, it's not only a mitzvah on the women. And yet, women are given the primary responsibility uh, and privilege of lighting. Now now, but given that kind of background, so now we're ready to understand, is there and should there be a role for the husband at all? If this was exclusively a feminine woman's mitzvah, so then why would a husband have any role? But now that we understand that it's either a mitzvah on every individual of the family, but the wife's representing them, or it's a mitzvah on the unit of the family and the wife's representing them, it's at least reasonable to think that maybe the husband should have some secondary helping role. And in fact a number of mafarshim in sources number 17 and 18. I gave you from both Rabbi Kiva Eger in source number 17 and number 18 is the Mishnah Brura. They both say, I'll just read you the line in the Mishnah Bruhah source number 18. Tov Shayishi yitakein ha-neiros. Or the way the um, Rabbi Kiva Eger said it in 17. Habalabai yitakein ha ishto tadlik. In other words, there is a tradition and a recommendation for the husband to be involved in preparing or setting up Uh, the candles. There have been weeks when I've been able to do this. But my recommendation and my bracha and my tefillah for all of you is that your husbands should all be better than me uh, at that. Again, I could blame it on the fact that I'm busier than the average uh, person right before Shabbos, uh, since unlike most Jews, I work on Shabbos. Um, But nevertheless, uh, that's something that I probably should try to be better at. Uh, My kids have kind of picked up the slack for me. Uh, But I think it's a very, very nice thing Uh, if if it's the kids, I think it's fine, but it's better that it should be the husband to prepare the candles for his wife. In other words, the, the queen of the house, in this sense I mean this meaningfully, you should show up and the candles should be prepared for you. I think that's a very, very meaningful thing on many, many levels. Um, and if your children do it, that's fine. Uh, but I think it would be even better, and this is already brought down by Postkim, that there's an idea, since really it is partially the, the, the husband's mitzvah too, so even though the wife is playing the dominant and the prominent role, but the husband should play a kind of a supportive role, right? A little bit of a role reversal, the way we usually think of the relationship between husband and wives and men and women. So it's not a bad thing for every now and then the husband to feel like they're helping out their wife, and not just the wife always helping out their husband. Uh, again, as I say, on many many levels, I think that that's a very healthy thing. And it's not me; it's Rabbi Kiviger, it's the Mishabura, um, and it's others. Um, just to be uh, aware of um, a number of the posts can point out. Well, let's say again, I can't imagine this ever happening, but you know, in, in Torah often we have hypotheticals. At least they bring out interesting points the post can speak about let's say the husband says you know what I always grow up in yeshiva I just assume oh yeah that's my sister's mitzvah my mom's mitzvah but now that I learned a little bit I know it's also my mitzvah so I don't want you to do it I'm doing it I'm a kiddish, I make do, kiddush I'm doing it can a husband quote unquote take it away from his wife again would it ever happen I don't know I've never heard such a thing it sounds crazy right but the post came right. he's not allowed he's not allowed if, if she doesn't want to light or can't light that's a different story but if a woman wants to light, her husband has not, is not allowed to take it away for she has the primary zchut uh, to light the candles and no one uh, can take that away from her. Now, as we know in many areas of life, uh, hopefully we stress this as parents when it's appropriate, uh, and we know it's true certainly in, in religion as well, a greater privilege comes with greater responsibility. And I would remiss, um, again, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a scary, maybe even a shocking uh, statement of Chazal, but we, sh- we should acknowledge it, we shouldn't uh, hide from it, uh, but the post can point out that the early, maybe the earliest source, not the why, but the earliest source for the fact that there's a special responsibility that women have for shop scandals is the Mishnah in source number 15, which tells us that there are certain very serious averos that if a, a woman is uh, not careful about and she is lax in, on a regular basis, Rahman al Aslan, she may die in childbirth. Which, again, it, for most of human history, was a real fear. Right? We are living in an incredibly blessed uh, time where it's almost unheard of uh, for women to die in childbirth. When I was a child, which is not that long ago, there was a woman in my neighborhood who did die in childbirth. which is only, it was only about 35, uh, somewhere, uh, probably about 35 years ago. Um, it was a horrible, horrible tragedy, obviously. So you do hear about these things every now and then, but really very, very rare. But as you know, for most of human history... Right. It was unbelievably dangerous for a woman uh, to give birth, and the Gemara, and, excuse me, the Mishnah of source number fifteen says there are certain averos al shalosh averos Matos Right, you're already in an objectively a dangerous situation of giving birth, and if it's already objectively dangerous uh, from a purely uh, physical perspective, it wouldn't be that hard for Hashem to use that as an opportunity to punish you if you so deserved. So the three mitzvos which are very famously considered primary responsibilities of the wife or the woman are, of course, the area of nida. There I have separating khala. And the third one the Mishnah says is, Hadla So again, I don't think that's what you should be thinking about when you like candles. Um, that certainly wouldn't be inspiring to anybody. Uh, but nevertheless, it is certainly a, again, why, why, why these three, why such a harsh punishment? The answer is I'm not sure. And we don't have time to get into it even if I was sure. Um, I don't think this is, again, I, I believe in, uh, I'm not hiding you. You're all grown up, you're all bright, you can all... Uh, you don't handle all the sources. I'm not worried about any of that. But nevertheless, um, I, what's it called? I, uh, you should just be aware of this. Again, it is, uh, you know, for some people, this gives them strength. For some people, it's a little bit of a depressing thought. Uh, I don't think it should be what you need to focus on. There's many, many other sources which are quite more beautiful and uplifting. Uh, but you should be aware this certainly underscores that the, the primary – the privilege – but also the Ahraya responsibility that women have uh, in lighting candles. Just to finish up, I want to mention uh, two uh, final uh, points. Uh, number one is, what about single girls? So in source number 19, uh, the Archa Shulchan, uh he is actually one of the opinions who says uh, ex- explicitly, The Archa Shulchan was of the opinion that single girls should light. At what age? He doesn't say here. But, like any other mitzvah where you try to figure out at what age your child, boy or girl, is ready to do mitzvahs even before they're a bar about mitzvah, so girls should already like. And as some of you may know, at least in America, this became very well known as the campaign of the Lababacha Rebbe. In Chabad, this is a very big, big thing that all the single girls like. Um, the Bab of didn't come up with the idea but he's the one who popularized it um, I'm not sure in how many families this is common outside of Chabad I don't think it's so, so common it was never the minug in my family uh, but if you have that minog nothing wrong with it whatsoever if you don't have that minug, I wouldn't necessarily uh, do it because it's certainly very very rare but there are, there are families uh, who have the tradition uh, for single girls to light last but not least I just want to mention what about if you have children who are out of the house after all if this is a family mitzvah so how does that family member fulfill uh, his or her mitzvah? So if you have a child who's having a sleepover, um, so the answer is that they fulfill the mitzvah by wh- whoever the mom or the wife is lighting whatever house they're staying in. Because if you're sleeping over for Shabbos at someone's house, you become ibnay Betam, Which, by the way, if you, were, if you are sleeping over at your parents' house, or your parents are sleeping over at your house for Shabbos, tech, even though it's virtually universal, that married women even when they're out of their house let's say sleeping when you go away for Yanta if you go away for Shabbos married women light me then you're not chayev if you are sleeping over at your parents' house sleeping over at your whoever's house and the woman of the house is lighting you are part of the house for Shabbos you don't have to light okay? it's, I've never heard a woman like okay I'm not, I'll take a week off right? it's, it's hard to wire into women. They wanna, women married women want to light at least the ones I know um, and that's fine but Certainly it's true for your single children that when they're away for Shabbos, uh, they fulfill the mitzvah, uh, even if they're adult, even if they're over or bat mitzvah, they fulfill the mitzvah uh, through their host. If you have a boy, for example, who's in a dorm, there are some girls who are in dorms too, but so let's say a boy who's uh, in a dorm, the answer is, then they're not Yotzeh know, with you. And, they're not, and there's no, who, who's lighting? The answer is, that if, hopefully you send your kid to a yeshiva that knows what they're doing, and the yeshiva lights. And every yeshiva that I've been a part of, they light candles in the chadrochal, in the dining room. Just like one candle is lit for your family, so there could be one candle lit for the whole yeshiva. But they absolutely should light. But, and with this we'll end, they should be aware. Again, I don't think, it's not practical in the sense that they're going to do it anyway, but if you want to teach them something, it's a good thing to teach them. If they're, let's say, in their dorm room, or wherever it is that they're staying, or in camp, or wherever, whatever light they would need for Shabbos, they want to keep on a reading light by their bed, or they need a a bathroom light, if they prepare that before Shabbos, which presumably they're going to do anyway, because they need the light, but tell them, if, you should know, if they have in mind when they turn on that light, when they keep that reading light by their bed, that's part of the mitzvah of Shabbos candles. Maybe whoever, the head counselor or the dorm counselor, whoever was lighting in the chadrochels, that's fine. But to the extent that they need light in whichever part of the, the, the dorm, the camp, or wherever it is that they are for Shabbos, that is also uh, part of the mitzvah. Okay?